Hello, everyone, and either welcome or welcome back to the Gender Libertarian Podcast. If you do like this, please rate, comment, and subscribe. You can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, and on my Patreon page. Well, guys, the good news is that we made it through another week in 2020. The bad news is, is that due to the events of this week, there will not be another sane, normal, remotely calm week anytime this year and possibly going into next year because my God, this, woo, Lord, yeah, things got bad this week. So let me go ahead and start with the unemployment numbers because that's really like the only somewhat bright spot that I have. Um, for the week ending on September 12th, the initial unemployment claims fell to 860,000, which again is still ridiculously astronomically high, but is still trending downward and puts us now at week three of under a million claims a week. So fingers crossed, like I mentioned for the past couple of weeks, we are entering the time of the year where you do start seeing some seasonal hiring for the holidays and stuff. Um, Remains to be seen exactly where that hiring is going to take place. I know Amazon is doing some expansions and are looking to hire a lot of people, obviously, to handle not only our current new normal, but also the upcoming holiday rush. Because, I mean, it's already like, obviously, Amazon and the post office and pretty much any online retailer has already been overtaxed due to COVID. And now we're going to have holiday shopping and it's going to be crazy. So fingers crossed on that, that that will keep trending downward. I mean, it would be nice for it to be half a million? Like, that's crazy to say. Like, that that would have been considered catastrophic, like this time last year, to say, oh, it's only half a million people who filed new unemployment jobless claims this week. People would have been like, that's insane. That's that's horrible. And now that would be like, oh, that's that's good. That's great. This is this is progress. So like I said, at least it is still trending in a downward downward projection. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed that continues. So let's move on to a story that, oddly enough, not a lot of people are talking about. And I don't understand why, because this is the most, oh my God, I don't even know what to say about what's going on right now with TikTok. And I talked about it when Trump initially released his executive order saying that by, well, today, as I'm recording this, September 20th, that... TikTok needed to be owned by a U.S. company or it was going to be banned within the United States. And this also includes WeChat, too. Um, TikTok is owned by ByteDance. WeChat is owned by Tencent. They're two different companies, but they are two Chinese-based companies. So I'll start with WeChat because their status is a little more secure. Um, A federal judge stepped in and blocked the U.S. Department of Commerce from ordering the WeChat apps to be removed from the applicable app stores inside the United States. So as of right now, WeChat is safe. It is still operational in the United States and will stay so for the foreseeable future. They do have a court case that's working its way through the system. So WeChat right now. Okay. TikTok. Oh my God. This is such a fucking disaster. So where we're at right now is Microsoft is officially out of the deal, which if you'll remember, before Trump got involved in any of this, Microsoft and ByteDance were already in negotiations for Microsoft to acquire the U.S. rights to TikTok and basically bring, it would be TikTok U.S., which already exists, would be under the Microsoft banner and then it would be owned by Microsoft and then there you go. Anyway, Trump signs the EO 
and everything just goes to shit. So where we're at right now is that it looks like, again, as of this recording, because this is still very much up in the air about what is going to happen here, um, Oracle and Walmart are going to not be buying TikTok outright. In fact, they will not even be major- majority shareholders in the new, what is going to be called TikTok Global. Let me read to you the, the kind of parameters of the deal as reported by the New York Times. The deal, which must still gain formal U.S. approval, would create a new U.S.-based company, TikTok Global, in which Oracle, an American software maker, and Walmart would own 20%, placing more equity in the service into the hands of American companies and investors. Now, I'm sure everybody listening to this can do math, but if Walmart and Oracle are going to own 20% of the stock, who is going to own the other 80%? The answer to that is ByteDance. So... Not only is this not the full-on acquisition of TikTok by a U.S. company or companies that was supposed to happen under Trump's executive order, this is not even really divesting TikTok from ByteDance slash China. So I, what the hell? This this has accomplished nothing. This has accomplished absolutely nothing. But let me go ahead and continue. Under the agreement, ByteDance and its investors, which include the U.S.-based General Atlantic, Quaturn Management, and Sequoia Capital, would transfer some of their equity control into TikTok Global. Still, exactly who would control the new entity remained unclear. Two people familiar with the matter said ByteDance would hold an 80% stake in TikTok Global. But because ByteDance is partially owned by non-Chinese investors, those investors would become indirect owners of TikTok Global, bumping up the U.S. ownership stake and allowing the Trump administration to claim that the majority of the company is owned by Americans. TikTok Global's ownership would be made up of 53% American investors, a person familiar with the matter said, including the 20% stake held by Oracle and Walmart and existing American investments in ByteDance. A group of additional ByteDance investors, most of them based in Europe, would control 11% of the service, one of the people familiar with the discussion said. Chinese investors, primarily the ByteDance founder Zhang Yiming and its employees, would hold the rest, or about 36%. So, okay. The original point of this whole adventure for Trump, I assumed, and I assumed this from reading his executive order, ordering the sale of TikTok, which, first of all, let's just start right there. Who the fuck is the president of the United States to even be involved in this? And he's out here saying, I give this deal my blessings. Like, it's not your, no, this is not for you to be blessing. That's not how this works. What in the kleptocracy is this? The the president does not have and should not have any sway over what happens between two private businesses. But it gets even even more convoluted on the Chinese side because Beijing is not willing to let go of TikTok. And what they're putting through ByteDance through on the Chinese side is the CCP is saying, oh, well, now you have to get this special permit to be able to sell this business to uh, to anyone in the United States, because obviously, as things work in China, the Communist Party pretty much owns everything. So you have to get special permission. They're not coming up off the special permission. They're making ByteDance jump through all these different hoops. So now basically ByteDance is stuck in the middle between the U.S. and China. And they're basically 
it's kind of, you know what? Actually, now that I think about it, this might be the new version of a proxy war. This might be how proxy wars are done now, because that's what this is. It's a proxy war between the U.S. and China over a fucking micro video platform, which I think is why people aren't discussing this, because it's TikTok. And like, this is so stupid, but but it's not stupid. Like, this is actually like a really important story. And it gets even crazier because this ties in to another story that seems like the two stories would have nothing to do with each other, but apparently they do now. But ByteDance is stuck in the middle. Not entirely sure what's going on. As it stands right now, it looks like as of Monday morning, September 21st, you will still be able to download TikTok in the United States. You will still be able to get app updates and everything like that. What happens after that, I am not entirely sure. Because like I said, it's not strictly up to ByteDance whether or not this deal goes through. You have to go through the CCP and they are not having it. So I don't I don't really know where this leaves that deal. And the, the more disturbing part of this too is the fact that the Microsoft deal fell through, which like I said, if if Trump had never gotten involved in this, if it just left everything alone, that deal probably would have already happened and the CCP would have signed off on it. But now that Trump had to interject himself, now the U.S. and China are in this stupid pissing match. And it, it seems like, and of course, always take this with a grain of salt because one can never be entirely sure of the veracity of information coming out of China or a Chinese company, but that... ByteDance approached Oracle to be part of this deal because Oracle is known to be very friendly to Trump. They've held fundraisers for him. Um, the founder, Larry Ellison, is a Trump supporter. They have donated money to the Trump campaign. Uh, there were senior executives at Oracle that worked on Trump's transition campaign. So it seems to be, if you trust that information, that ByteDance made their choice here based on what they thought would best please Trump, which is not the criteria that any business should be using in order to decide who they're going to sell to. Nobody should be giving a shit what the president of the United States happens to think about this, but here we are. So this whole thing is just, it's shady. It's just shady as fuck at this point. And like I said, I don't know what's going to happen because there's still a lot of moving parts. So I guess this is just going to be a week by week thing. But to move on, like I said, to the next story that doesn't seem like it would have anything to do with this story, but it does. Trump announced that he is going to sign an executive order sometime in the next weekish or so, I guess. You, you know how these things go with Trump. It's always in two weeks. But I mean, I'm sure in this coming week, the EO will be signed that he is. Well, it's going to be called the 1776 Commission. You can already tell by the title of that what this is in response to. This is going to be Trump commissioning a commission to promote patriotic education in schools and make sure that children learn, in his terms, the the right history, the correct history, and not the fake history. And this is in response to a lot of things. Um, when Trump announced it in his speech, he touched on critical race theory and about, oh, how the leftists are trying to destroy American history and they're toppling over the statues. But this is in direct response 
to the 1619 Project and to the idea that schools will start teaching the 1619 Project. When schools will be teaching this, I don't know, because I don't know when we're really going to have school again. But apparently at some point in the future, schools were planning on doing that. And so this is in direct response to the 1619 Project. So what did the New York Times and Nicole Hannah-Jones do? They tried to do a little revisionist history of their own. Now, if you will remember, when the 1619 Project first came out, and I'm sure some of you probably read it for yourselves, I'm sure you've heard people talk about it, the whole point of the project was to recenter the birth of America from 1776 to 1619 and make the argument explicitly, explicitly made this argument that the founding principle in this country was slavery. That was the point of the project. Everybody understood it. It was explicit. It was right there on the landing page for the 1619 Project. Nobody inferred a damn thing, which that's that's now Nicole Hannah-Jones' stance is that people inferred that that was about. No, nobody inferred shit. That's what was said. We didn't make it up. But so now she's moving back from that. The New York Times scrubbed the part of the landing page where it explicitly says that the 1619 Project is meant to recenter the birth of America to 1619 and that it was all about slavery. They scrubbed that shit. I, apparently, nobody told them that screenshots are a thing that people do and that we keep them and that we remember things because most of us covered this at the time. Like, do they think we're fucking stupid? Anywho, so slight tangential side note here. I mean, at this point, that Pulitzer needs to get pulled. I mean, honestly, Nicole Hannah-Jones needs to have that Pulitzer revoked because if, and, and this is not the first time that they've attempted to stealth edit the 1619 Project. I pointed it out at the time and it didn't gain as much press as it really should have, but... Gosh, at this point, maybe six-ish months ago, possibly somewhere thereabout, they did a little sneaky stealth edit. And like I said, if you'll remember that the explicit point of the 1619 Project was to say that America was founded on the principle of slavery and that that was it. That's what that was. That was it. They did a little bit of a verbiage shift and put in there that slavery slavery was one of the founding principles of America, which nobody is really arguing that point. The whole thing that pissed everybody off about the project was that you were saying that that was it. That was that was the whole reason for the existence of America was slavery. So the, the stealth editing has been going on for a long time. And at this point, if neither the New York Times nor Nicole Hannah-Jones is willing to go out there and defend the original thesis of the project, then, I mean, this is a fucking joke. This is a joke. Pull the Pulitzer, throw the whole thing in the trash, maybe back up and start over again. Maybe try doing something that was actually defensible. I mean, but at this point, it's just, it's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. And now this, this 1776 commission has just compounded the absurdity because now we're going to have a federal commission on what schools should be teaching in school about American history. Do you see the problem here? This is not North Korea. We do not have a state-sanctioned history of the United States, nor should we. 
That's fucked up. That's really fucked up. And here, here we are. Let me tie this back to the TikTok story so that you can understand how fucked up that story is. <laughs> Actually, let me back up and, and say something real quick. Um, <laughs> apparently, when Trump first got involved in the whole TikTok deal, he and he actually said this in public that because he slash the federal government is brokering this deal that there should be some sum of money that is paid to the U.S. Treasury Department. And apparently somebody had to actually explain to this man that you can't do that, that that's not how this works. Like the U.S. government does not broker deals and does not take payments slash bribes slash extortions for brokering deals. You don't profit off of this shit, dude. That's not how this works. But somebody had to explain that to him. So in lieu of that, apparently, and again, Trump announced this. I think the first time he announced it was at a campaign rally in Fayetteville, North Carolina, that he gave over the past couple of days. I really try not to pay attention to that stuff. It's kind of brain melting. But he announced that as part of this deal, that ByteDance, apparently, it's it, or it's not entirely made sure who is supposed to be ponying up this money. One assumes ByteDance, maybe Oracle and Walmart, I don't know. But that $5 billion will be paid into creating a new educational fund to fund whatever comes out of the 1776 commission. ByteDance, on their end, were like, um, nobody told us about this. This is the first time we're hearing about it. So God only knows what the hell is going on with this deal. But it's still, dude, you don't get to extort money from companies for making deals or approving deals. That's not how this works. Jesus Christ. That's why I said this is like the biggest story that nobody's really talking about. And I don't know why, because it's really like of all the blatant shit that Trump has done, this this might take the cake. And that's really saying something. But it's just, I'm just, uh, wow. This is deep. This is deep. So, again, I know it's just TikTok. Nobody cares about TikTok. I I mean, I, I'd, I'd take that back. There's lots of people that care about TikTok. It apparently has 100 million users, so somebody cares. But I think... Because it is something that is seen as trivial, people aren't paying as much attention to this story as they really should be. And so, yeah, <laughs> the, the president seems to think that the U.S. government should somehow profit off of this deal. And he also seems to think that the, the federal government should have some kind of say in what children are taught about the history of the United States. To which I just say, why not just teach him the truth? I mean, you don't have to teach him the 1619 Project. You don't have to teach him whatever comes out of the 1776 Commission. Just teach him the truth. Like, yeah, this country is pretty freaking cool. But we've done some pretty bad shit. Both within this country and outside of the borders. And, and both of those things can be true at the same time. And it would be good if we actually taught both of those things so that kids can know where we screwed up in the past and possibly not screw up again. You know, you're supposed to learn from your mistakes in the past. Well, you got to kind of teach the mistakes. But you don't have to necessarily just teach the mistakes. You can teach the good parts too. Like, I don't understand why this is so difficult. Other than, as per usual, this has turned into another thing for Trump to troll the left about. And it's like, 
it's not funny. Like at some point you got to be like, no, this is dangerous. Like this is not cute. It's not funny. You can't laugh at this. It's just it, it veers into some really dangerous territory. So, anyway, that's those two stories from this past week. And then and then Friday night we got news that Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away somewhat unexpectedly. And I say somewhat because I mean she was 87 years old. But up until the news of her death, it had been pretty much reported that she was in good health and good spirit. Um, She did just participate in the last Supreme Court session. So unexpected on that level. It wasn't like, oh, she's sick or, oh, she's she's taking a turn for the worse or whatever. So, yeah, Um, we have a Supreme Court vacancy in the middle of September. In an election year. My God, this is the last fucking thing we need to go through right now. I'm, I'm going to do a more expanded piece on this in the upcoming week for my Rocket News piece for the week. But I'll go ahead and kind of summarize this somewhat quickly, just so you can understand where the problem lies here. And obviously, the first problem is it's the middle of September. The, the, the election is in November. Logistics are just not really on the side of doing a confirmation hearing before the election. I mean, you're just theoretically there's enough time. Logistically, I'm I'm not seeing it. I mean, we're at I think 45 days until the election. I I don't I just don't see it. I I just don't. But the bigger problem is that back in 2016, um, Obama found himself in somewhat of the same predicament that Trump finds himself in, except it was in March when Justice Antonin Scalia passed away unexpectedly. And so it was left to Obama. Obviously, this was the last year of his last term. Obviously, I mean, obviously the last months of his last term. And so now he was left with this situation of having to fill a Supreme Court vacancy somewhat unexpectedly. What Senate Republicans did was hours, hours after Scalia's death, Mitch McConnell released a statement saying that Senate Republicans who controlled the Senate at the time would not hear any any confirmation, no confirmation hearings for any judge that Barack Obama put before them due to the fact that he was in his the last year of his last term, basically saying that it's it's too late. Basically, we're already in the primaries. It's the 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 political season, as Joe Biden put it back in '92, and that's that's the the inference that they're using here is basically saying that because well, it, I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase this. Back in '91, after the Clarence Thomas confirmation hearing, Joe Biden kind of made a comment about how. We really shouldn't be confirming Supreme Court justices during the quote-unquote political season, which everyone took to mean kind of the last year before an election. Okay, so they invoked that in 2016, and basically they, they blocked the confirmation. They refused to have a confirmation hearing, and so eventually Merrick Garland, who was the one who was con- who was put up for confirmation, and was a perfectly fine choice, a he is a centrist. He had a great, long, extensive record. Really under 
other circumstances probably would have gotten confirmed easily. If he would have been put up for confirmation in 2016, he probably would have been confirmed. But since Senate Republicans could do it, they did do it and they blocked this nomination, which then expired in 2017, which is then when Trump nominated Neil Gorsuch and Neil Gorsuch made it through and that's how we got Neil Gorsuch. Anyway, now the stance is that, oh, we didn't oppose it on quite those grounds back then. We were just saying that it's it's certainly unseemly for a, a, a Democratic president and a Republican Senate to have to come up with a Supreme Court nominee and confirmation hearing in the last in the last year of his his term and that's just stupid that's even a stupid fucking thing to say like who cares like it's oh my god the justifications for trying to ram this through are going to be ridiculous but as it stands right now mitch mcconnell released a statement to senate republicans basically telling them to shut up don't say anything don't commit to anything until we are back in session, which tells me that McConnell is trying to weigh out how to play this because this is not this is not a good situation for Republicans to be in at all. Because here's the problem. You have the 2016 problem and the obvious claims of hypocrisy that are going to come from that if you try to put through a Supreme Court confirmation to nominate somebody and put them through now. I mean, the attack ads write themselves. And you can't say that it's not hypocritical. Like, honestly, it just, it is. It clearly is. It was Republicans not doing something because they could, and then this would be Republicans doing something because they could. It's just naked partisan politics. There's no way around that. Second of all, you would be calling Republican senators off of the trail, ones who are up for re-election, to come back to do this confirmation hearing at a very inopportune time for them. And you'd also be putting some of those Republicans in a very dicey spot because there are quite a few of them who are running very tight races against Democratic opponents. And now you're asking them to come back off the campaign trail and engage in what will be a very controversial confirmation hearing. You really got to weigh out whether that is a good thing to do. And I think McConnell is currently trying to figure out kind of how to massage this and figure out what exactly the game plan is going to be. As far as Trump's concerned, he wants to go ahead and nominate and confirm somebody now, which obviously because, but here's, here's the problem. Under normal circumstances, the obvious play here would be for Senate Republicans to wait until after the election, because I mean, just logistics wise, optics wise, just everything, it just, it looks better. Here's the problem. Trump and increasingly Democrats and increasingly, obviously, other Republicans have already started priming Americans to not accept the results of the November election. And nobody, I think, has point blank said it yet, but the intimation has always been there that this is going to go the way that 2000 did and end up in the Supreme Court. Now, you only have eight justices right now. For what it's worth, I do not, even with eight justices, I do not see them issuing a split decision on a general election. I just do not see that happening. 
I, I just I I cannot conceive of a, of a reality where that would even be a possibility. But theoretically, you could you know, you could have a four four split. Like I said, it's highly unlikely. But people are now worried about that and how you need to have that ninth Supreme Court justice on the bench to make sure that there isn't a split decision. So now they've backed themselves into this corner by playing this stupid, stupid, stupid game of prepping people to not accept the results in November. Now you've backed yourself into a corner where waiting until after the election isn't really possible for you. Because you you've already you've already started this fear mongering campaign, so now now you're stuck. And then even if somehow you manage to convince everybody, all right, everything's going to be okay, everything's going to be fine. We're just going to wait until after the election. Then you have two more problems: either a Trump loses, or b Trump wins. Okay, Trump wins. This isn't really an issue. You can. You can do the nomination, I mean, right after the election. You can wait until after he's inaugurated. It doesn't really matter, technically, if you are somebody who isn't hyperventilating about accepting the results of the election. If Trump loses, then what happens if they try to slam through a confirmation during a lame duck presidency? That's going to be even worse than doing it before the election. So there's just, there's no... There's no good play here for Republicans that isn't going to cost them drastically right now. And so it remains to be seen exactly how McConnell is going to play this. But I mean, there's just there's no good move. And this is really possibly the worst thing that could possibly have happened to Republicans right now. It's it's not it is not what anybody running, including Trump, needs. Obviously, he can always run on holding out that that Supreme Court pick, which is kind of how we ran in 2016, because you already knew that you had that pick out there. But like I said, you, if you, you've already gone down this road of fear mongering. So now you kind of can't back up off of that and say it's OK to have only eight justices on the Supreme Court. So I don't really know how you play that. I don't know what you do. I guess we'll find out in the coming weeks what they're going to do. Oh, Lord, this is going to be a straight mess. This, l- listen, I watched the Kavanaugh hearings, all of them. That was a fucking disaster. Anything that happens right now is going to be at least as insane as that. It is going to absolutely be a distraction. It is not going to help anybody in the GOP who is trying to run for re-election. Oh, no. This is bad, but I guess we'll see what old cocaine Mitch decides he wants to do. But on the topic of weird things that have gone on in this past week, and again, this might be a bigger story if everything else wasn't completely batshit, but apparently somebody tried to send Donald Trump Ryson in the mail, which we, we, I, when was the last time you heard about Ryson? (laughs) It was like 2013. I'm like, what the hell is going on? But apparently it was intercepted, obviously, and Trump did not get any of the ricin. But I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, oh, the wheels, they're off. <laughs> the, the wheels are off. Nobody's driving this anymore. It's just going to just go careen off a cliff somehow. I don't know. 
Oh my God. Yeah, this week pretty much cemented the fact that we are not going to have anything close to sanity or normalcy anytime in the near future. Oh, I'm not ready for this. Everybody was like, Ruth, can you just hold on a little while longer? Which, I mean, people have been saying that for, God, a year now at this point. And I guess it does bear repeating because I have said it before that all of this could have been avoided if both her and Breyer had just retired during Obama's term and could have gave him the picks. But here we are. They didn't do that. So here we go. <laughs> we have to somehow do another Supreme Court pick. This is not going to be fun. This is going to be bad. It's going to be real bad. I'm not looking forward to watching it. I'm still, I'm still trying to process the Kavanaugh confirmation because that one was really the first time I watched something and it was like I mean I'm obviously I knew the bubbles existed clearly I've, I've been doing this long enough to know that people are in their bubbles that is the first time I watched something and I really wondered if people watched something other than what I watched like something else completely different because it, it really felt like that and it was just it was insane it, it, it kind of made you like question reality for a minute. Like, wait a minute, did I miss something that these people watched? But no, we all watched the same thing. It was, it was nuts. It was nuts. And it's literally the last thing we need to do right now. But we might be doing it or attempting to do it. I, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> at this point, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up because man, this has been a week. So... <laughs> Yeah, if you made it this far, thank you for listening. And as always, if you do like this, please rate, comment, and subscribe. You can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, and on my Patreon page. Take care and until next time.